I've been thinking about DMX for like three days. So good in belly. One of the most influential artists in my childhood, absolutely. Uh, it's like one of the like first amazing workout jams. One of the coolest things that ever happened to me in my career was when I first started out as an intern, I got to cover a Miami Heat versus Raptors game. And I'll never forget watching LeBron James get warmed up in that small little locker room and watching him stretch out and just jamming out to DMX and thinking, we're the same guy. <laughs> you know, like, that's what I warmed up to when I played hoops. That's the same. Me and LeBron just doing the same thing, except for when he's on his back stretching his legs out, he almost kicks me in the face. Uh, that's the only difference between us. And, you know, talent and likability and money and, you know, charitable endeavors. Other than those things, if when it comes to the music we used to warm up, LeBron and I, same dudes. Uh, same guy as me as well. When it comes to investment strategies, Chris Johnson, Bitcoin guru, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet. What's up, bro? How we doing? I'm good. That's a, a nice little story you told there about you and your twin, LeBron. Yeah, exactly. Tight. We're tight. We're just, again, man, we just both guys, like, we know how to get locked in, and that was with DMX. Just nothing beats it. Absolutely nothing beats DMX when it comes to working out. If you're tired in your workout or for you, your run, you got to leg out one more K. You got to do one more set. You can't tell me there's anything better than DMX. There, there's not. I'll give There's you that. Not. I, I can't. I can't say that it, I've got it currently on the playlist, but mm -hmm. uh, I would if, if it ever just popped on, I would oh. be like, yes, this is the right track. No, DMX forever. DMX forever. So I'm getting nervous. Um, I'm getting very nervous because there's just. Normally this time of year, man, we've already got a trade. We're actually talking to you about how, hey, well, what's even going to be left on deadline day because so much action has happened. And I get it. Palmieri was a big piece. That gets moved off the board. And all right, that's one possibility. But it didn't look like he was heading to Toronto anyways for reasons that you and Elliot were discussing maybe a week before the deal. Now all of a sudden Hall's name is back in the mix. They clearly just want a rental. And it's go get the best player available, but this market just feels more uncertain and it feels shallow. Like, even compared to years where it's felt shallow, this feels like there's just no names. Do I have this wrong? What, what am I missing here? No, I don't think you have it too wrong, to be honest. I, I do think we have to erase almost what we normally, you know, think of the trade deadline or what normally happens and, and, the, the expectations have to be completely recalibrated. It's an entire, I mean, I know we all just, everyone's looking to move past the pandemic and be like, okay, everything's normal again. Well, it's not a, and B it's not in, in the business of hockey right now. And yeah, you know, I think if you go to the NHL.com page right now and you sort by winning percentage, there's probably if maybe eight teams. And, and I might be being a little bit long here uh, that can consider themselves contenders. I think that there's a whole bunch of teams that are below that eight that, that you know want to have playoff dates and you know the, but they're not really all in on winning this year you have if you look at those eight teams on cap friendly uh there's not a lot of cap room other than florida now has created space carolina has some space among the the top eight teams but there's not really a ton of cap space to go around and so i think what we're going to get is definitely a more muted market uh you know it's not clear to me if if we're going to see trades here over the weekend or if it's, if it's all going to go right down to sort of the wire on Monday, you know, there's going to be player movement, but I just don't think it's going to be at the levels we're used to seeing. And, and 
you know, I still think the Leafs are going to do something, though. I mean, if we're if sure. we're focusing this this conversation on the Leafs, I, I for no there's no chance in my mind that you know three or four days from now we're not talking about at least one new addition to this team. Mm-hmm. Have they kind of painted themselves in a corner with that though? Because this just feels so Leafs, where the year where they're all in, the year where everything looks to be breaking their way, where to me anyways, I think that they're heads and shoulders above everybody else in the North Division and that if they don't get out of this thing already, like as is, standing pat, that it's a massive failure considering the talent gap between them and the rest of the field, that they've said publicly, it. I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. It reminds me a little when Kyle Dubas said, we can and we will, where it was, we can and we will, we can and we will. We're going to get these guys under contract. And all of a sudden it was, well, what if all of these guys cost max money or the max amount of money that they could possibly ask for? And it turned out to be that way. And now it's, hey, we're moving a top prospect. Hey, the Leafs are all in. They're going to get somebody. They're going to make an addition. But what if that addition just doesn't make sense? And you're actually looking at this and saying, you know what, man? I don't want to lose Nick Robertson for... I don't know, Ricard Raquel, or, and I don't even think that that's on the table necessarily because of the rental thing, but yeah, that all, you could be looking at a scenario where you overpay to get a rental that doesn't really move the needle that much, and two years from now, we could be looking at it saying, why did they do that? That that seems real asinine now. Well, that, that possibility always exists at the deadline sure. that you look back. You know, but I it mean, feels and, and, a little bit more so now, right, with just the amount of guys that are out there and knowing that there's not really impact players, or at least from uh, who are these impact players then? I, I'm cool to hear them, but I haven't really heard them. Well, I think Taylor Hall is an impact player still, and I know he's got two goals, and I understand, yeah. where, I understand where the skepticism comes from. But, you know, I'm not, certainly by no means am I saying Taylor Hall is going to be a Maple Leaf, but if, if they were to go out and get him, you know that's an impact right. player. I think I think someone, and it's a different sort of impact. But I I think Nick Foligno could be an impact player for yes. a playoff type of environment. You know, if if this team's able to go on a run, if they were to add him, you know, I, I think that that's a player that makes a difference in their lineup and gives them maybe a little bit more of of the edge that that you know I think that they they feel they need to have and can still hang at least in terms of just, you know, driving shot metrics and being on the, the right kind of line. If he, if he plays in their top six, uh, and it just gives Sheldon Keefe other options too, if, if they were to get him. So I think that there's a couple names there. I also look, I have a feeling they know what they're going to do. That doesn't mean I know what they're going to do, but I, I, there just seems to be so much confidence coming out of their front office and their organization um, you know, I think that they have a really good handle on how this is probably going to break. And, and, you know, of course they could, you know, with, with hindsight, this still might be a bad trade that, that gets made. I mean, I, I just think that always exists when you're trading for a rental player because you're banking on, what, three to four weeks of regular season and whatever happens in the playoffs. It might be a short amount of time, and you might regret what you give up. But But I don't think the prices are that crazy right now. Like, even, you know, good. for New Jersey to get a first-round pick, you know, for Palmieri, they had to also include Zajac, and they had to also eat half the salary of both players. You know, that's that's a good sign for me For if you're a buyer like the Leafs because the Leafs are going to need some salary retention if, if they're getting, you know, someone you know, someone with some impact. I think they have about $1.3 million right now that they could add without subtracting. Um, so, you know, I don't think the price is going to be crazy. I think they should trade their first-round pick. It's going to be a low pick. You know, right now they're third overall in the league. I mean, it's going to be for sure in the 20s unless something drastically changes between now and May 11th. And and it's a dartboard year if there ever was one in terms of just not seeing the draft 
uh, prospects, you know, get to play much this season. So, you know, I, I think that you'll see them likely deal their first. I think you'll, they'll get someone like a Foligno, maybe a Hall. They seem a little – the Hall one's a harder one to get a read on. If, if they're in on Hall, I'll say this. Dubas is, is doing it in absolute stealth mode because, um, you know, some people that are pretty close to that situation don't think they're, they're legit on it. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it makes a lot of sense to at least look at him if, if, if that's something they can make work cap-wise. Yeah, the only reason that it makes sense for me to look at it is if he's the only guy available, and that's been the Felino question the entire time, is can they get Felino? Because he's the guy I've circled. He's the guy most Leaf fans have circled. He obviously makes the most sense for basically any reason that you can bring up when you compare him to Hall. Um, I just wondered with the seller's market, just to go back to the Palmieri thing for a second, was how much of that was limited by the fact that there were rumors that he wants to go back to New Jersey, that they want to bring him back, that he is a pure rental, and so you end up looking at it and saying, well, did they do completely right by him by keeping him basically next door and not having to disrupt his life whatsoever so they took away less price? I think that's part of it. But, you know, again, how many teams were really in on him? Like, I think the Leafs like Kyle Palmieri. If, but if did they he were want to go to Canada? I, I'm not convinced he did. And he had an 18 yeah. no-trade clause, so we can guess seven of the teams because whenever someone has an 18 no-trade clause... Right. Seven of them usually involve Canadian currency. Um, but, you know, I, I think that might be part of it. There's also just not really that many buyers. Like, reasonably before, you know, Monday at 4 o'clock, when we're looking back on this little period here, I think we're going to be talking about Toronto buying someone. We're going to talk about Florida, you know, putting this cap space that they've created to use. Uh, you know, Colorado probably gets in the mix a little bit. I'm not sure where Boston's going to do. You know, they, they've had sort of a weird year there and, and – you know, maybe coming to the end of, of the rope with, with kind of the, the long core that, that's been there. They might have to, to do some different things. I just don't think we're going to see a whole lot of teams get aggressive here. You know, Carolina is probably a stealth team a little bit. You know, they got about $9 million they could add in space at the deadline. And, and I think that they have a reasonable chance to, to win a Stanley Cup, depending on goaltending, which is kind of a theme of, of this year's. You know, I'd, I'd say the same about the Leafs. I'd say the same about Colorado. Um, so it's, it's an interesting deadline, but there's not that many buyers. And so I think, you know, really when New Jersey did its diligence, you, the reasons you mentioned were right, but also I don't think there's that many teams that were going to come in with a stronger offer anyway. Do you think Felino is open and happy with the idea of coming to Toronto? Because he's a captain and it's hard to move off of your spot, but they're minus 31 in goal differential at this point. I know they beat the lightning the other day, but they lost to him last night. They're 15 and 19. The year's done. Is is there going to be any pushback for the north of the border thing? Because I, I keep wondering how big a factor it's going to be this year, asking guys, especially veteran guys, to not only move and not only to go across the border, but to do the seven-day quarantine and then enter a hotbed where it's, hey, uh, the Leafs gave up a first-round pick for you. You're playing with John Tavares. They want to win a Stanley Cup. If you suck, you're going to be the whipping boy. That, it's just a lot. It's a lot to ask. It is, but, you know, I don't know how old Nick Plano is off the top of my head, but, it, you know, his age starts he's with a three. 34. Yeah. yeah, like he's not young, and what better opportunity might he get in his 36. career? I mean, he, he doesn't know how much longer he's going to play. You know, I, I'm reasonably certain he'll be in the NHL next season, but I don't know how many years uh, beyond that one. I mean, if, if that opportunity is put in front of him. But the one thing the Blue Jackets have made very clear to everyone is they're not doing anything that, that he doesn't want done. And so yeah. – you know, if he's traded, it's going to be fully with him being on board with the situation and, and everything around it. Um, you know, it sounds to me like he 
company wants to be traded, but I think he's embracing the fact that this is going to be a unique opportunity for him. You know, he, he has other, there's other teams that are there on him. And so I'm not saying it's Toronto or no one, but you know, I think that Toronto's a place he'd be open to, to coming. And so, you know, maybe that's the move, you know, maybe that's, that's the ideal move for the Leafs and, and, you're right. There's reasons that, that this is difficult for him, but I mean, you might win a Stanley Cup too. You get to play for a team, you know, a glamour team in the country you grew up, you know, that your dad played for. You know, Mike Foligno, his father, had a, a pretty great, memorable playoff moment with the Leafs in 1993 that I know Leaf fans of a certain age will remember an overtime goal against Detroit. I mean, it, 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 there's a romantic notion to this, and, and I think, yes, it's, it's going to be difficult on his family, but it's, it's still a relatively short amount of time. And, and he is a Canadian. Uh, you know, I know a lot of players that are playing in Columbus have been vaccinated. I, I don't know in his specific case, but you know, that could ease some concerns if he has been too. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think that it makes a lot of sense, and, and we'll see if that's where the ball drops. Yeah. I, I think Felino, knowing him just a tiny bit, he's the guy. And he's not just the guy because of the hockey reasons. I think he's the guy for the leadership reasons and the fact that he won't get rattled by that quarantine. He won't get rattled by the pressure of this situation that, yeah, he will embrace it. So I'm very excited about that prospect. And I do. How much pressure is there really? Like you're, you're joining a team with like seven top 10 picks or eight top 10 picks. You got Joe Thornton and Spezza and you're playing with some of the best players in the league. Like, I just don't know how, If it doesn't work, I don't know how much pressure this like this guy only needs whoever this person is only needs to be what their sixth, seventh best forward for it still yep. to be an okay deal. Except for this, there are certain guys on this roster who are always essentially going to be somewhat exempt. I think, anyways, that to me, anyway, Austin Matthews and pretty rightfully so because to me he's the best hockey player on the planet and when he's going right and he's been going right lately and guess what his he looks better than McDavid to me again lately I just I watch both those guys play I know McDavid's special I'd rather have Austin Matthews when Austin Matthews is this version of himself when he's not going to get any blame no matter what happens I I just don't see it I think Tavares is going to be a whipping boy if they lose that people are going to look at him and say well did he produce I think Nylander's just always polarizing there's some people who are going to rip on him for whatever and there's some people who are going to defend him to the hilt even if he is what he was last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs in that final game where it's just you know a complete non-factor and a a ghost there's people who are going to be mad at Mitch Marner because of the money that he commands but he plays with Matthews so there's just not a lot there the goaltending for sure but if it's Campbell I don't know I think that there's a little less off of him to me there's like certain guys that you would point to and say well they're going to be the whipping boy and if Toronto trades a first round pick for someone and they come up here and they don't help make that Tavares line a little bit better I I just I see that becoming that's how you can get a legacy stamped like maybe I'm overreacting to that but it does feel as though you, you lose a playoff series and that guy doesn't make an impact that that's a lot of pressure you're right it's it's maybe not as bad as some other places it's not as bad as some other scenarios no one's asking whoever this player is to be the guy but i i think if you're taylor hall specifically you don't want to come anywhere near toronto because if you stink here next to Tavares, then that's it that's your whole career that's your entire legacy right i i but don't elite athletes think differently than, than you and i i know you and lebron i thought that too 
I thought you know, that too until guys what? like Mike Fuda tell me there are players who are afraid of playing in Canada for these exact reasons, that they don't want to have to deal with it. You hear it over and over again. And you know you've met players privately who, I don't know, sometimes when you meet these guys and they, they dismiss it because maybe there's a bit of jealousy of the amount of attention Canadian teams get and Canadian players. But you know this, man. You've talked to players privately. A lot of guys try to undercut the notion of playing in Canada and say, hey, I don't want anything to do with that and blah, 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 the media, the pressure, all of it. But Taylor Hall's the number one overall draft pick. He won a Hart Trophy. He started sure. his career in Canada. And, like, I know he's burning to win. Like, well, what's I, he known for him, now? Okay, but here's the thing. He hasn't had – I'm not even going to – let's just move on from these last two years. Not because sure. they're not relevant, but, like, we don't need to relitigate it all. Yep, yep. I, I, I think that for him, you know, he sees a chance to win with the Leafs. I mean, for the reasons you mentioned off the top, like – this North division is right there for them. Yep. You know, Matthews and Marner are probably never going to be better or more productive than they are right now. I mean, these guys are at the peak of what they can do. This is a deep team. They, they've overcome some stuff. I mean, like what an opportunity to reshape some of the conversation around you. If you join this team, you, you yep. don't have to be the star player. You know, like when he went to Arizona, there's pretty high expectations last year. He was probably their best pure offensive player, given where Kessel is at his career. And, you know, it didn't go great. You know, I, I think here he's going to get good, favorable power play minutes with, with elite-level talent. And I just think it's a place to, you know, he's got a house here. I, I think, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense, honestly. I'm not sure the Leafs agree with me. You know, I, I think that they're more of a Felino mindset like you are. Yes. Um, but, but if it ends up being Taylor Hall, I, you know, to me, for him, this is an, a wonderful opportunity, as, you know, the Islanders would be. Uh, if, if Colorado got back in there, I think that makes sense for him. I mean, anywhere he's got to go and have a chance to win, uh, you know, that, that's that's what the guy wants to do. He's played a lot of NHL games and hasn't played very many in the playoffs, and then he wants that to change. Yeah. Hey, um, good luck to him wherever he ends up. And if it's here, great. And if it's here, I'm immediately going to dump all my Taylor Hall takes, have all the things scrubbed, and completely buy into the idea that he's going to be a new man and do all those things that you just said. I just don't buy it. I just haven't bought – I've sold all my Taylor Hall stock years ago, and I I just don't think that the Leafs need that kind of guy right now. But you're right. There's a real case for it, and I, I'm definitely not dismissing it. And when it comes to just players embracing this in general, I mean, this is the case that every single Leaf fan has been outlining for – as long as I've been alive, so or as uh, as Daryl Sutter puts it, since Christ was a child, which is just an all-time uh, all-time quote. Yesterday, well, I remember so the day Brian Burke was hired, and he said, "If you know, if you build the team that that wins the cup here, they're naming schools after you." And right, and they are. I actually do think there's some truth to that. I'm not saying that they're going to name schools after the, the second line left winger if they win a cup, but but certainly mm. you got a you got a place for life to come back and sign autographs and be feted and you know like i mean the opportunity is is tremendous here if, if the leaps can Dude. go on a run there could be a hall hall somewhere you know in a university i could see that you could have it if taylor hall comes here and rips it up why not uh okay so a couple of other quick pieces of business to to go over because again i, I think that well i'm going to talk to you on monday when it's deadline day you're going to jump on for a couple of minutes i know it's going to be super busy for you but i'm excited for that day because i'm i'm just I guess I'm being optimistic with this thing, but I'm hoping that we end up getting more movement. It's such a low bar right now that I, I feel like it's going to hurdle it, and we have that opportunity to do so. But two quick pieces of Leafs business. It's the guys that they're missing right now that they're going to get back. One is, so so what's up with Nylander? What's the latest? Because this is one of the most confusing things that's ever happened to me, and or that's happened in the last year of sports, where 
there's all these protocols in effect and there's supposed to be all this transparency and it was kind of doled out as well we've made these decisions and it was like well who's made these decisions and he was around teammates and who knows what but where are we at with William Nylander what's the latest with him okay and I'll explain it as best as I can too because you know I have some limitations with my epidemiology but you know the Leafs flew back from Calgary on Tuesday after their their western road trip uh, landed at four in the afternoon there and about you know, on Tuesday night, he was with someone that he's allowed to see. I mean, let's face it, players have lives. You know, some of these kids, some of these players have yeah, yeah. school school age children that have been going to school until schools are recently shut down. And so there's, all, there's always the possibility you get exposed, even without going to restaurants or bars or doing anything you're not supposed to, you know, just by living your day-to-day life. So he was with someone who ended up feeling ill uh, and, and, you know, on Wednesday was feeling ill. He skated with the team Wednesday morning at the morning skate. You know, the, the person was there that he was with, got tested. I believe it might be a positive test. I'm not sure if it's a confirmed positive, but, you know, he was possibly exposed essentially to the virus on Tuesday night. Now, what the league determined is that it takes it takes time, I think, with, with obviously their medical experts. Even if you are exposed to the virus, it takes generally a couple of days before it, it populates your system and you would become contagious. So it was deemed that he would not have been contagious around his teammates on Wednesday morning. He did the right thing by telling the team, you know, what was going on, and and obviously he hasn't been back near them since, and so he's got a week long uh, runway here where he's got to be tested and, and quarantining to determine if he has COVID. If he doesn't have COVID, you know, if he passes passes a number of days here of tests where he's negative, you know, he can just rejoin the team. Uh, if he does have it, there's a longer you know protocol that has to be in place. There's a heart scan and everything, an EKG. A test that, that that every player that gets it you know has to pass before he can get back on the ice and so really where he is right now is is waiting it out and being tested to see if he has it and and you know as of last night anyways he hadn't delivered a positive test but i don't think he's in the clear yet because you know COVID does take a couple of days generally to show up in those kind of tests so best case scenario a week yes best case scenario we skating again some point next week cool yeah i i gotta admit that i wasn't too I figured with the sensitivities around COVID in Ontario right now, entering another lockdown, knowing that today there's over 4,000 positive cases reported, and given just the scrutiny of these leagues and what they're under, that the decisions were made with a lot of care, uh, that it was done correctly. I just I did find it a little strange the way that it was rolled out, the way that it was discussed, and how it just ended up kind of being a bit of an afterthought. And last one, um, what do we know about Freddie? Because the only thing that we ever hear is that they don't think he's, they're going to have him by the deadline and that he's not out for the season. But what is your sense of his ability to get the net back at this point? Because 10 straight, that's, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Well, there's two schools of thoughts going on here. You know, one, I believe internally they, they think that they could have one of the better duos in the league if, if Freddie gets back healthy and Jack Campbell keeps playing the way he's been playing or some version of this. I mean, obviously... Going 10 and 0 with a 9.44 save percentage is not not going to be sustainable over a huge period of time. But sure. you know, if if he's unlocked something here, which it appears he has, that they, you know, the optimistic view is it's great to have two two such strong goaltenders if Frederick Anderson gets healthy. Now the the if uh, for for Freddie is real, and and you know, I, I'm I can't figure this one out. You know, the least to their credit, you know, they've been very good in since Kyle Dubas took over as GM and letting us know as much as he can, the media that is, you know, what's going on with players, what, what the exact injury is that called concussions, concussions, you know, they haven't always, you know, defaulted the lower body, upper body sort of stuff. And, and they've been good on timelines. 
And none of those things have been handed out here other than a lower body injury for Fred. And, you know, what, what we do know is he hasn't skated since starting March 19th, which was three weeks ago today. And he hasn't been on the ice then. And, and so that's a long time for anyone to be off the ice. It means that there's a period of rehab to come. And the fact that they just haven't put a timeline on it, here's my, here's my put on the tinfoil hat. We're three days before the trade deadline thought. Yes, CJ, yes, yes. Okay, let's go. I'm sitting up for this. They, I have to wonder if there's LTI in play here, that, that they know already internally that he's not going to be back for the regular season because, you know, they haven't specified that. that you know, Sheldon Keefe said the other day he'll be back this season, but, you know, the playoffs includes the season, I think. I mean, now we're parsing words. You know, we're really getting deep in the conspiracy theory. But, you know, I just wonder if they wanted to not put him on LTIR early, if, if potentially that, that's still a possibility before the deadline, which would obviously create cap room, which would perhaps allow them to go get another goaltender for depth if they feel they need to do that. You know, I just sort of wonder if part of the secrecy here is they didn't want to show all their cards, not so much to the media, but even to the other teams that they're dealing with in the trade market. And so, you know, I have nothing to substantiate that. It's it, That's entirely me putting together, you know, they, they've been very strange in the way they've handled this and the way, you know, publicly uh, and, and not following their own past precedent. And so I, something's up here. Uh, but, you know, I will say this, everyone, and I've, you know, obviously been poking around, you know, not just asking, you know, the GM or something, uh, you know, what's going on with Freddie. Everyone says they think he's going to be back. So, I, you know, I don't suspect that this is necessarily a serious, serious injury that, that, you know, everyone already knows he's not playing again until next year. I really don't think that that's secretly the case. But I just wonder if part of the way they've discussed this, this publicly is to do with the deadline and some cap maneuvering they're going to pull off here before Monday at 3 o'clock. I got excited until I realized that if they put him on LTIR, the guy that most makes sense that we've discussed in terms of making things easier contract-wise is Taylor Hall. So um, uh, I guess, but kind of happy. Uh, CJ, you're the best, man. Thanks for doing this today, and uh, I'll talk to you Monday. We'll see you Monday. Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. Uh, enjoy your, your, your workouts with DMX there, and uh, we'll, we'll talk Absolutely. Monday. Always, always, always do. Uh, see you, CJ. It's Chris Johnson. Uh, senior NHL reporter for Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. So, yeah, if you like this podcast, by the way, subscribe to it. Even if you're just listening to the Leaf Sour podcast, which we put it in, and some people are complaining there's not enough Leaf Sour podcasts or not enough time on Leaf Sour podcast lately, all right. Can't satisfy all of you. But if you do like it and you are somewhat satisfied and you like the show, you like the Leaf Sour, subscribe to the podcast, do us a favor, share the podcast, tell your friends about the podcast, tell them why you like the podcast. I tell them why you like the show and just subscribe. Subscribe on all platforms. It really helps us out, obviously, a lot. So, yeah. The LTIR thing is, hmm. Hmm. I got I to noodle on that for a little while.